Welcome to Social Capital Expert, a show where we discover the value of social capital and how cultivating strategic relationships is critical to our success. In each episode, your host, Sarah Francis McDaniel, will explore the stories of fascinating people from all over the world to better understand how their ability to build relationships has led to their success. We will uncover tips, tricks, and practical ways that you too can become a social capital expert. Hi, and welcome to the show. I am super excited to have my good friend, Big Bobby D. I don't know why I call you that, but that's what I've called you forever. But, uh, but Bob, and I still don't get Capo Bianco. Um, I don't think I've ever used your last name before, but thank you so much for being here, Bobby. I'm super excited yeah. to just hear your story, learn more about you, and just share with everybody else some of what I think uh, really, truly makes you such a social capital expert. So if you want to um, just kind of introduce yourself, tell us who you are and Kind of what you're doing today and then we'll get into some sure. of your story yeah absolutely um like you said i'm bobby capo bianco um i uh i run the sales kind of wing for my sort of family's company um we own a couple of different different companies um specifically most of my work is focused with d enterprise we're a um, high-end kind of custom remodeling company. Um, we do a lot of really different kind of cool projects, but um, I really am sort of the, I, I hate the word sales because it feels um, it's got a certain connotation to it. I really just love being with people and love hanging out with, hanging out with different people, meeting people, just kind of understanding what they're trying to accomplish. So yeah, I've been doing that now for almost eight years. Um, two of them, uh, were with, um, a company in, um, Northwest Indiana, right outside of Chicago. We were a full kind of custom home builder at that time. Um, and I, a little bit of background on me. Um, I had no interest in construction for my entire life. And I'm still wondering what my interest level in construction is currently. I just, I love what I do. I love the people I'm learning a lot about it, but, um, I, was a basketball player growing up. You mentioned um, you had called me. You had called me Big Bobby. I am six feet nine inches tall. I would had the opportunity growing up to be a pretty good basketball player and played um, Division One basketball. I played at Indiana in the Big Ten and then final or finished up uh, at Valparaiso in Northwest Indiana. Um, and so basketball taught me a ton about sort of like the inner dynamics of human beings, people working within a team, having an objective and trying to get to there. And so I was really kind of figuring out what I was going to do post um, athletics and through my social capital, through some people I knew and the people they knew, um, I had an opportunity to interview for the marketing position at a custom home builder. Um, my life motto is fake it till you make it. Um, I'm a big believer of like, if you can somehow muster the confidence inside of yourself to believe, like, I don't mean fake it in a way of like truly do something you don't know how to do, but if you're close and you think you can, can figure it out, just go for it and have confidence and, and figure that out. And so I remember sitting in the interview and they, they asked me, and I, I have a digital media master's degree. Um, and I remember them saying, so we do a lot of print advertising and different things. Like, are you fluent with... Photoshop and InDesign and Lightroom and all of that. And I was like, yeah, duh, easy, nothing to it. I'd open those programs like three times because I had to, to pass a class in my master's degree. And I remember that I went home that night and there was about a week during the interview process, maybe a week and a half. And I spent like eight hours a day on YouTube watching tutorials on Photoshop and InDesign and all of these things. And so when I got into the door, I, the very first day I was got there, we had a print ad a week that went in the newspaper that served like a hundred thousand homes in Northwest Indiana. And I had to create an advertisement that was going to be printed and permanently like live in the newspaper. And, uh, and so, yeah, I just, I kind of worked my butt off and figured all of that out. 
Um, a couple of years later, um, the guy who I work for, Jonathan Dittmar, who started D Enterprise 15, 16 years ago, is my uncle. And he knew that I was working in construction and called me and was like, Bobby, come out to Colorado. And that was all I needed. Colorado to me is the sort of the holy grail of any, any place to live based on all the things I like to do. So uh, I said, absolutely, let's do it. My wife and I picked up. Um, we came out here almost five years ago. Um, and uh, yeah, I started kind of taking over the sales program. Same thing. Bobby, I need you to run sales. Can you do that? And I was like, yeah, duh. Um, didn't know, didn't really know anybody um, in town. I found that the Denver kind of construction world is a really small group of people. When you really get in it, it's a very close knit, close knit group of people. So I just started learning literally everything I could, meeting as many people as I can. And five years into it, I'm, I'm starting to feel a little bit more confident sort of day in and day out. So yeah, that's, that's a little bit about me. I'm I'm married to Elizabeth, my wife, who I met playing college basketball. She was a basketball player as well. We met in the training room uh, in the ice bath. I saw her and thought, I should marry her. I told my dad that night. I said, I found a girl I'm going to marry. I did. Um, we have a son, Huck, who is not 10 months old right now. So going on a year. So we're in a pretty fun stage of life. And uh, yeah, couldn't, couldn't be happier to be here and talking to you. And I'm excited. Oh my gosh, that's awesome. And thank you for sharing, giving us a little bit of background. Um, you've got to give, a, give us Huck's full name because it cracks me up. You always say he's got to be a snowboarder or a stockbroker. Yeah, exactly. So his first name is Everett. So he's Everett Huxley Capobianco. So my thought is if he wants to like just end up being this rad little kid that like lives out in the woods and does something crazy. Huck is a pretty good name. That's what my wife and I call him. We, uh, when we found out we were pregnant, my wife and I are big snowboarders. We've Sarah had many, a, many a good time on the mountain together, but, um, you know, sort of when you're at the top of a kind of scary line and you don't know what you're going to do, you sort of just huck and pray, you throw it in there and see what happens. And so when we found out we were pregnant, we were like, well, we'll just huck and pray like we always do. And, the name Huck just sort of stuck. And so that's what we call him all the time. That's his name, but he is Everett Huxley. So if he does get a cubicle job where you have to wear fancy clothes and use all those big words, he can go by Everett or Huxley. I guess if he moves to like Britain or something, he can do that. But yeah, he's got some options. It's adorable. I love that. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, so let's, let's talk a little bit. I mean, you did a um, Instagram show and I just, it was so fun that you, you allowed me to be a participant on that. And then I ended up seeing all these people that I knew that were also guests on your show. And it was funny to just see how closely connected we really all are, yeah. even though we may not know it. Um, so, you know, I know that social capital is something that really runs just through your brain, uh, your brain, veins sorry through your blood and your veins um but you know tell us tell us a little bit about like your instagram show and why you did that or what you were thinking and, and kind of where that's going from here yeah um i guess i should start with we're coming back season two is gonna happen i don't know when or how but it's gonna happen um i guess to kind of start from the beginning i look at every sort of really big pivotal moment in my life and i kind of began tracing back like how did those moments come to fruition and it, it yeah it has a lot to do with being good people and working hard and putting yourself in a position for success but truly more often than not what I found was that good opportunities came because people believed in me not because they believed in what I could do um, and so this idea of of social capital um really kind of was something that was ingrained in sort of how I operated day to day. And I found myself being a person who constantly people would go, Bobby, I need help. I need this, this, and this. And I would go, okay, I got a guy or I got somebody. And I go, hold on, let me make a phone call. I make a phone call. I go, Hey, I've got somebody who they need something and they're great people. I love you. What can you do? And they go, Bobby, I do anything for you. Just hold on a second. Let me figure it out. And I found myself being this like, I felt like the corner store drug dealer that all my friends, when they just needed like a, jo a job opportunity or a, a person to help them with something or anything like that, I was just like, I got a guy, hold on. And, and I think part of that is because I really, I do truly value relationships with people and I, I value people who give to me. And so, yeah, it was a natural sort of thing to have you on my show because I, I think people like you who you're somebody who, and I've seen this not just with myself, but with a lot of people you interact with is you're not someone who 
invests on the surface. You're someone who wants to know more about a human being. And at the end of the day, with all of this technology and all the things we have going on, everyone just wants to be known like for who they actually are. And so um, my show, which is called Six Degrees from Nobody, um, the idea being that when you do anything in life, when it comes to networking, when it comes to people, it's so easy to feel like a nobody. Like, I don't know anybody, but we're all six degrees away from anybody. Do you want to talk to Matthew McConaughey, the Dalai Lama, or anyone you can think of? You're six degrees from that, from that person. And so um, my show started completely accidentally. Um, a lot like this, when you asked me to be on your show, I had someone who had asked me to be on their Instagram live show. I had never done Instagram live. And I asked my buddy, I said, yeah, I'll come on it. How do I do it? And he said, oh, bro, it's so easy. You just go on live get it going and I'll add you. And I was like, okay, sounds straightforward. What he meant to tell me was that I was supposed to be watching his Instagram live show and then he would add me. But what I did was I was sitting literally right here in my basement. I turned on my thing and I hit the live button and I hit go live thinking someone will request and I'll have to do something. So it was like five minutes went by, 10 minutes went by, 15 minutes went by. And I'm just looking at myself and, and nothing's happening. All of a sudden, all of my friends start like flooding on that they're watching my show and they're commenting and I'm just like shooting the breeze. And I'm like, if anyone knows how this works, please let me know. Otherwise, I'm just going to be sitting here talking to you. And so finally, somebody cued me in. I ended up getting on this guy's show. But I was joking with my wife the next day that in like 18 minutes of sitting in the corner filming myself, I had like almost 50 people watch in that little window of time. Um, and so I was like, dude, we're doing it again. I'm having a show, we're starting it, and I'm just gonna interview my friends. And that was literally how it started. And so that night I like put out on my, on my story, I said, hey, if anybody wants to be on my show tonight, my show wasn't really a show at that point. It had no name, it had no <laughs> premise, it was nothing. And I had like eight people, I'm in. And I'm like, cool, you're today, you're tomorrow, you're later this week. And we did 10 minute interviews and I, I have a lot of shows that I currently watch that I took a lot of inspiration from. Um, and I tried to kind of pull those things in and over the course of, I think I've done 14 or 15 episodes. Um, the most of which was viewed by um, somewhere around, oh, I got a phone call in the middle of that. Um, the most watched one, I had almost a hundred thousand people watch. Um, now that's not, that's not on me. That's a lot of the guests that I had on or uh, I'm connected in a lot of really well-known groups and had a couple of my buddies who play in the NBA and have millions of followers. So again, those numbers are, are not like I'm toting a hundred thousand followers, but it was really cool to just get on and there's people flooding in the comments and asking things. And so, yeah, it just sort of built onto that and life has gotten hectic, but it was a fun kind of quarantine thing. And now I got to figure out a way to bring it back. I'm getting some good inspiration from this right now. So. Can you hear me, Bobby? I can't. I'm having a hard time hearing you. Are we good? Well, I'm so glad that you're getting some inspiration for your show from this show, and I can't wait to continue to see what season two has in store. I, um, it's always fun, you know, Bobby, we met, you know, a few years ago, several years ago, and some of the best times that I've ever had with you has been on the ski slopes, like we were talking about, just, you know, hammering down some of that fresh powder and taking some of those back oh, yeah. tracks and uh, having a, a blast. And one thing I've just known that, you know, you are just great at being inclusive and bringing people in. And, you know, because of your size and you're kind of just a big guy and a big personality, you know, people are drawn to you. And so in your kind of life, and as you've built social capital and, and been through some of this, you know, I think athletics and when you're kind of in that, that world, that creates its own kind of social capital and, and network. But how have you seen that social capital and relationships have really been kind of critical to your journey? Yeah, I think, um, I think that started, it's funny, it started at a really young age for a totally different reason. Um, my, my dad um, is a uh, is the CEO of a large um, insurance company. And as we were growing up and he was kind of climbing the corporate ladder, it was one of those things where every couple of years, 
they would promote him, but it wasn't a promotion like within the office. It was always Bob. We'd really like to big Bob senior shout out to you, dad. Um, they would promote him and then say, Hey, but we want you to run the office in Providence, Rhode Island or Greensboro, North Carolina or Chicago, Illinois. So we, we moved a ton. Literally Denver is like a state like 14 or 15 for me that I've lived in, in my life. Um, and, and in doing that, moving around a ton, it, it sort of honed and reinforced two things. Um, the first, which is the most important is that the people close to you are the most important people you have in your life. So it's, it's, I'm the oldest sibling. I have one younger sister who is awesome. And she and I have been best friends forever. And part of the reason we've been best friends forever is my mom and dad continually told us like, friends will come and go, but your family, the people you have in your life are there forever. And you have to really, really value sort of that relationship. So I learned at a young age, when we would move, we'd show up, we'd be in a brand new house at a brand new school, but I always had my sister who was my best friend, which was great because she was there. Um, and, and then the other thing it did was it made us really good at making new friends because it was like every two years, it was like, all right, see you guys later. We got to go move to wherever we're headed next. And so you'd walk into school day one, which I think for a lot of people, that idea still, even as adults walking into a brand new school, being the new person, not knowing anyone, for me, that that thought brings up a lot of excitement because I get to pick and choose who I want to be friends with. I'm not stuck with some group that I've known forever. And I'm like, I hate these people, but they've been my friends forever. So I'm stuck with them. I got to sort of pick and choose. And so, yeah, it really sort of built that in. And so, so I really picked up sort of what the value of those relationships are. And I think as long as you always put the value of the relationship before the value of the opportunity, the opportunities will always exceed what you expected, what you desired, because I think as human beings, we want to love each other. We want to give to each other. We, we generally don't watch cable television or cable news because you wouldn't believe it. But I think we are a group of people who generally want to lift others up and see them succeed. And so I think just through that, um, through that time, I, I learned that I think college basketball helped that a lot as well, because, um, I have spent my entire life being recruited, um, which is not something that many people really have an idea of what that feels like, where you're like the, the dog and pony show, where you're constantly saying, here's what I have to offer. Would this be valuable to your corporation or would this be to, so I, I've spent an entire life with a microphone in front of my face being interviewed or coaches wanting to, to recruit, and to ask questions and pick holes. And so I think you really understand that that doesn't mean a whole lot really it, it matters who you're doing doing life with. So I think those are the things that I look back and I see in my life are pivotal, pivotal pieces that taught me that, again, value the human more than the opportunity and the opportunity will exceed anything you could desire. I love that. I haven't heard that, you know, um, said that way before, but I think you're so right. There's just so much in that piece of it where it's not really about what you're going to get out of it necessarily. That's not what you go into it for. Um, yep. and, and I think it's funny, you know, you're like, there've been several people on the show who have moved a lot and it's always interesting to me because I moved a lot as well. And I think there really is in, you know, when I was young, I used to hate that. I hated the fact that I was always moving. I was always the new kid on the block. And, um, but as I've gotten older and I see those pieces of why I'm able to go and connect with people, I'm not afraid to be the new kid on the block every time yeah. I walk into a room, right? Um, and so that is an interesting trend in some of these people that I've had on the show who are social capitalists, who, who really, I think, identify with that, that ability to make friends easily and to have to put yourself out there over and over and over in uncomfortable situations. So I didn't yep. know that about you, but that it makes a lot of sense to me that that's <laughs> yeah. sort of how, um, how you've come up in in that. And I think you're right. The, the people closest to us, I mean, sometimes we talk about that. It's like really building your social capital isn't just about professional networks. It's really your personal networks as well. And those people close to you. Well, and I think, I think what you find out, and obviously there's a line that you have to respect and sort of toe, but when you can blur the line between your, your personal relationships and your professional relationships and, and, almost treat those individuals back and forth, have a fluid kind of, you know, I have friends who I can be friends with, but the minute it becomes professional, we both sort of like switch our hats and all of a sudden it's, it's professional. And so I think there's a great quote and it's long and it's like, it's one of my favorite ones. It's by a guy named LP Jacks, but he talks about that a man 
he desires to be a man that you never know whether he's at work or at play. You never know whether he's, he, it's, it's a long, it's got a lot of examples. It's a great quote, but that's, that's where I want to live my life is we're going to spend all this time working. You know, my mom, one of her famous quotes growing up was I dig ditches if it was with people I loved. You'd go out to work every day and dig a freaking ditch if you got to do it with all the, your favorite people. And so my thought is if we're going to spend 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week working, why not be doing that with people that you'd spend time with if you weren't working or why not treat them that way? Because you never know when secretly those people are fighting that battle of they don't find enjoyment in what they do or they don't do that. And I think that's just an opportunity that we all have in our professional lives to sort of shine a light into someone and say, Sarah, I appreciate what you bring to the table professionally, but I also care about who you are as a, a human being and the way that you think about your dogs and the way that you like to interact and what you like to do with people. Those are important, real things that not many people spend a lot of time caring about or investing in. Absolutely. And yet that's the part that matters. Cause like we all know, I mean, we do business with people we know, like, and trust, you know, it's yep. like, if we can get beyond the, the professional service or product or whatever that might be and really get down to whether or not we have the same alignment and how we see the world and what we, you know, what's important to us, then the business piece follows. It comes naturally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I think you see those examples in life. You wonder kind of when you look at big business, we as consumers find things that we go, why in the heck would that company do this thing? And when you really boil that down, that company probably did that thing because the guy who's making the decision or the girl who's making the decision really likes the other person and wants them to succeed. Do they have the best product? Do they have the best thing? Maybe, maybe not, but that's who they want to work with. And that's a big, that's a big deal when it comes to not just social capitalism, but, but business. It, oftentimes you get business because they care about you as the person more than maybe what you're offering. Absolutely. I was just talking to somebody this week about that. And it's like, Hey, you know, I don't always, most of the time when I go after business, it's not really that I'm looking to get the business right away because I understand that they likely are already having someone that's taking care of that service or that product for them. But it's like, it's really just about building that relationship and being able to be in sort of second place that you can rescue them. Should there be some situation that they're current, supplier can't handle but really that they just get to know you and I joke and say you know I'm just I'm gonna sit here in second place just get to know you you don't have to give me any business right now but eventually you're really gonna like me and I'm pretty sure you're gonna want to do business with me because you just like me we, we're gonna be friends and we're gonna do things together and that's a, that's really the goal for me a lot of times is just finding that commonality in such a way oh, yeah. that the business part is, is the natural piece that fits once they know that they know, like, and trust you and that we're in alignment on other things outside of just the product or the service that we're offering. And, and that's, that's really it. I got paid one of my, my favorite compliments I've ever been paid last year at a Christmas party. Um, I have a friend who works in the same business that I do. You and I share this friend. I won't say his name on, on this thing, but I walked into this uh, Christmas party. I had somebody who was new at our shop um, that I had brought with me and I introduced the two of them. And, and my friend said uh, to Chad, who I brought with us, he said, Chad, I want you to know we're doing business together. I don't know when, and I don't know how, but I freaking love Bobby. And I, I'm going to figure out how we work together because I love that guy. And that meant more to me than any kind of other statement, because this guy who hopefully we can provide really good value to each other, but, but if not just somebody who says, I'm going to work with you. Cause I really like you. That that's to me is kind of defines what I think we all do and want to feel valued in in our day-to-day -day jobs absolutely and i talk about it sometimes it's like you know people some you know some people when they don't understand what this whole thing of social capital really is and what the strategy is behind it in the sense of creating this this connection and this network of connections um you know they'll they'll kind of joke and laugh and say oh you've got all this fan club sarah you've got this fan club it's like no that's not actually it like these this is really genuine stuff here like this is important things that are happening between two human beings that are engaging and the reality is that my goal is to create an experience for them that is 
positive and that they walk away feeling like they want more of that. And if we can be present in those moments, it's always just such an, it's an incredible experience, usually for both sides. It's like, I walk away feeling super energized by the conversation and they walk away feeling like they had this great experience. And then that's where, that's why people feel that way, Bobby, where they're like, man, I'm going to figure it out because I love Bobby. And it's that, that piece of yourself that you're willing to give into that situation and into that circumstance. Well, and I think I love your terminology of fan club, because I, I really think that when you dig into that, it's one of the terminologies we use in business. We want to create a group of raving fans of D Enterprise, not, not because of the work we do. We do great work, but there are a ton of companies in Denver that do great work. If you want to go build a house, you've got a plethora of people to pick from. You pick us because of who we are and what we value inside of you. And when you look at when you look at sports teams or you look at musical artists, they have raving fan clubs. And and I think that when you change your mentality from looking at it as a group of fans to looking at it as a platform, that platform goes both ways. Not only do you have a place to really try to speak truth and honesty and, and whatever positivity to the people that you do, but you also get a lot from those people. How many times on social media do we see today where people go, Hey guys, I'm looking to get some information. Please take the poll on my, like you're, you're vetting the group of people that you're saying, if you like me, I value what you think. And so I, I think that when you kind of, I think I love the term fan club. Cause I think that's really a group of people who have said we're rallying behind a shared idea or goal that we want to achieve. So I think that's a cool, I like that you use that term because I think that's something that sometimes has some weird negative uh, connotation to it, but really probably shouldn't. Yeah, I agree. And just being able to bring people together behind a common cause, whatever that is. I mean, that's one of the things I think, Bobby, we, we were talking a few weeks ago about that idea you have about bringing people together around this common outdoor cause, you know, just getting people together, getting them outdoors, having a, a place where they can connect with other people to be doing things that they're passionate about or that they enjoy doing. And just coming up with ways that we can create that, that sense of community around whatever it is that we're that we're focused on. And it's not always just selling the product. Most of the time, most of the things that I'm involved in, people are like, now, how does that relate back to what you're selling? It's like, it's all about the relationship piece. The selling piece comes naturally once you can get the relationship piece in place. Absolutely. Absolutely. I totally, I totally agree. And I think I, I've been, you have been such a, whether you know this or not, you have been such a kind of role model and somebody that I look at what you're doing and how you do it. And it's not just, again, the, the baseline is the magnetic personality. You have it. If you're in a room at any of these events we go to, everybody is, hey, Sarah, oh my God, I haven't seen you in forever. How are you? You have a magnetic personality. But the way that you strategically bring people together and know what you're offering them, and you do it. You offer it because of the experience they're going to have, not because of what you think you can get out from it. I think that at the core of it is what we're all trying to do. And you are certainly somebody who does that at a level that is a lot higher than, than most of us who are trying to achieve the same thing. Uh, well, you're very kind. And I, uh, I feel the same way about you. I mean, that's why, that's why I had to have you on here. I'm like, we got to get you on here, Bobby, but I very much appreciate your, your kind words. You know, earlier on when you were first kind of talking about why you had started your Instagram show and, and all of that was, you were talking about connections and that you really have sort of become like this hub of people where it may not be actually what you sell or what your services that they're coming to you for, but they're coming to you because they know that you're a connector. They know that you're going to know someone who's going to be able to, you know, help service whatever challenge or need that they have. And can you just tell us a little bit about like, you know, how do you become that? I mean, what, is it intentional? Is it just sort of part of your personality or, or what do you, when you look at being a connector, what does that mean to you? Yeah. Um, a, it's something that I, I didn't ever sort of plan to be. Um, I, I, one of the guys who, George Towers, who you and I both know, who's a connection of mine, when I was interviewing him on my show, I, one of the questions I ask a lot of people is, how do you take um, passion and turn it into a career? If you're doing something you're passionate about, how do you blend that? And George made an incredible comment, which was, most often we back into the things or we stumble into the things that we're passionate about that we turn into careers. You talk to a lot of us. I'm an example. 
in construction. If you'd ask me as a high schooler or a college guy, would you work in construction? I'd be like, no way, absolutely not, no, not a chance. But I think we, we stumble into these things. And so I, I love thinking about it that way because when, when the answer is, is it intentional or is it just kind of part of my personality? I think the answer to that is yes. Um, it's something that as I, have, as I have understood the value in, I've put more effort into being really good at. And sort of, I joke, but like one of the things that I loved, I heard a company in town use this term, but I want to be everyone's concierge. You go down to the hotel and whether you need a cab, you need a good restaurant, you need to know where the closest parks are. I want to be a relationship concierge of someone who says, Bobby, I don't know if you know anybody who does this, but can you help me with this? Because A, I think that speaks to trust of you have to trust somebody that you would ask that kind of thing. But also that's what I'm passionate about. I love, you know how a lot of times if you meet someone that you think you might be friends with, sometimes you're friends with that person. But more often than not, you become friends with a couple of their friends because you're just in a group and you're like, I like that person, but man, I connect with you. And, and our only common connection is that person who brought us all into this, into this thing. I, I just want to be somewhere in that spider web of connections where someone can just say, how do you know them? I know Bobby. That's it. That, that at the core is what I'm passionate about is people just going, I, I'm working with this person. Why? Because we both know Bobby. That's how it happens. And I think that there's value in that. I think that we live in a world that's changing right now and we all still are selling these widgets. We're all selling widgets, whether it's custom homes, whether it's appliances, whether it's, you name it, we're all selling things. Um, but all of a sudden there's been this shift. I mean, you look at a guy like Joe Rogan who has a podcast. He started a podcast to just talk to people. They don't talk about specific things. He doesn't sell product. I mean, I, I guess he has ads that whatever, but, but he's not there to do that. He just signed a contract with Spotify for over a hundred million dollars for his library of him talking to people. We are living in this world where value is changing from the thing to the idea. And, and I think maybe it's because I'm cocky in this way, but I think I have a lot of ideas and I'm like, well, shoot, why not leverage that and find other people who have great ideas. And I think also too, I love to be challenged. I love to, I love to put out an idea and I get some sense of satisfaction when somebody pushes back. I'm like, wow, they care about me and I'm going to learn something. And so I just, I think that's a killer, I think that's a killer platform. So yeah, it's something I've been intentional about, but I think at the end of the day too, it's definitely who you are. And I, I always want to allow myself to just be me and not be filtered through I'm trying to achieve something. Sometimes I say stuff all the time. I wish I could take back, but that's just part of who I am. And I have to allow that part of me to sort of be free in that too. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Cause yeah, you're right. That's awesome. And isn't it insane that, you know, Joe Rogan can do exactly like you said. I mean, it really is all about people wanting to know more about the people that he's interviewing and the rawness of his interviews. You know, I think that's the other piece about it. It's not scripted. It's not, you know, frilly and perfect. It's very raw. And they talk right. about things that are, they talk about real things and, and have real perspective and real conversations. They're not always on the same page. I mean, he doesn't always believe or agree with the people he has on. And just getting that, that real authentic piece of what, um, what you can experience when you listen to his show is, is what yep. people are, are, I mean, that's what Spotify just paid for, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, that, and you mentioned, I, I look, oops, sorry. I was just going to say, I quickly, that, that, that rawness and that realness, you find things that you enjoy that you maybe never knew. I listened to one, I think it was this last week that he came out with one with Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus is not someone I ever would have thought that I would have given two minutes of my time to listen to talk. And two and a half hours into it, I was like, this is such an amazingly complex, artistic human being. And I think that's what you're getting at is like, at the end of the day, who cares what the person brings to the table? It's who they are and how they kind of have done that. So yeah, I think that that rawness is something that's really neat. Yeah, and, and understanding each other's perspectives. I mean, what how she sees the world and her, you know, we can watch from the outside, but hearing from herself, how she sees the world, why she sees it the way she does, why she behaves the way she does. I mean, all of that is just so intriguing. And, yeah. um, and, and it really creates an opportunity to find even more commonality between us. 
Because then you see like, wow, I maybe I thought there was absolutely nothing in common between she and I, but now I realize that actually we've had these similar experiences and I can relate more to where she's coming from. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. You had mentioned one thing as you were kind of talking about how, you know, you want to sort of be the common denominator between these people. And as they're talking, they're like, hey, I know Bobby. Yeah, I know Bobby. And, um, you know, one thing it made me think about is just you, you, I think I had mentioned, and I don't know if you said this exact word, but I wrote down credibility. And I think that's what one of the things I love to do on the show is just give people practical things that they can put in place, ways that they can see exactly how this is, how this works. And one of the things about the credibility piece is that when you've got other people talking about you, it's a whole different thing than when you go and self-promote, right? It's one thing for yeah. me to go and say, hey, I'm Sarah, this is what I do, and I'm great at it. But it's a whole other thing when someone meets someone and they say, oh, do you know Sarah? Oh my gosh, this is what she's great at. Have you tried this with her? This is my experience with her. And so there's this credibility where you really, in building your social capital and in building your network, you're really building you're really building your own sort of sales force, if you will, like these, this group yeah. of people who will go out and sell on your behalf. Yeah. That's such a, it's such a thing that people don't talk about because I think it's something that has lost credibility in and of itself has lost its punch from years before. Because when you, I'm in construction, when you went to build a house, however many 60, 70, 80 years ago, you didn't sign a lengthy contract with a deposit and a, all this kind of stuff. You shook someone's hand right. and you said, you're doing it. I'll pay you. And it was a handshake. This idea of credibility has gone, you know, it's, it's tanked over the, over the course of, of the last, you know, couple of decades. I think part of that is digitally, the, the digital platform in and of itself does not lend itself to credibility. Um, it's a, it's a scary world out there. When you think about, when you think about a place like a YouTube or an Instagram or a Facebook, you have these people who can hide behind a username and say and spew these incredible things. It's not just the hateful talk that, that tarnishes that. It's the, it's the talk of the promise. It's the Instagram model who is selling some tea that came from China that hasn't been FDA regulated, but will get you a huge booty and a small waist. And you should buy my programming. Like, well, that's great. Have you been through exercise therapy school? Like, do you understand muscular anatomy and how my butt is really going to lift itself? Like, do you know why? Or should I just drink this tea and magically hope that the two bags of Fritos I ate that day aren't going to negatively affect? So I think, I think credibility is a whole has hit the hit the kind of floor and so I think it's sad but people who are slightly credible are held in high regard because they're like holy cow you're telling the truth that's wild why nobody does that anymore and so I think that the biggest sort of you talked about giving people practical application is that one of our mottos in our company that I love it's a personal motto of mine too is do what you say you're going to do if I tell you, Sarah, thank you so much for inviting me to this and introducing me to so-and-so, I'm going to follow up with them. The single best thing I can do is follow up with them. Because if, you, okay. if you're lending out your own credibility on my behalf, I'm not just fulfilling what you said I would do. I'm fulfilling what you told someone I would do. We're, we're, I'm working on behalf of both of our, our sets of credibility. So I think that's a huge... That's a huge piece and it's so simple, but just do what you say you're going to do because the minute you don't, people are more likely to come to you and go, hey, is everything okay? You just, you said you were gonna do something. I haven't seen it yet. Maybe I missed it and you're like, I am so sorry. And, and again, that's water under the bridge. It's no big deal. But I think focusing on credibility and just being someone who, it doesn't matter with me if you have a signed contract and a deposit or you have a handshake. If I look you in your eyes and tell you it's going to happen, I need you to believe that I'm going to follow up with that. So I think that that piece of practical application is so, so simple, but so hard because you think about how many things we tell people we're going to do on a daily basis and how many people overcommit. And, I, and, and that's, a, that's a pitfall of my own. I, there are way too many nights where my son is asleep, my wife is asleep, and I'm working, not because I want to, but because I have to follow up on the things I said I would do, and that means more than anything. So I think being realistic, and I think the second piece of that practical application is learn to say no. 
Saying no can be the most powerful thing on planet earth. When someone says, Bobby, blah, 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 can you do this? And I go, no, <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. They go, oh, okay, cool. I'll, I'll find something else. And I'll go, great. Call me if you need something else. Like I just, learning to say no is a huge deal. Do what you say you're going to do and say no if you can't come through on something. People don't need superheroes. They just need people who are going to do what they say they'll do. Absolutely. And so much in what you just said is, is, um, you know, really essential to building this network and building the social capital. It's that idea of really just having integrity. You know, we were, I was talking to a, a girl who's kind of new into the construction industry and new into sort of her professional career. And she said, you know, what is like something that you wish you would have known or that you think about a lot? And, and it's really that idea that when you start out and, and every day, you're really kind of building with this future in mind in the sense that you've got to do what you say you're going to do. You've got to have integrity now for the future so that in five years or in eight years, when we've, when we've looked back, it's like those relationships, I mean, they've only gotten stronger because people can count on you doing what you say you're going to do. They can count on what you, how you're going to behave and, and how they can, they can trust that engagement with you and know that, Hey, she's done this time after time after time, I can count on her to do this again. And it's, it's huge, you know, building really with almost like with the end in mind, anticipating that you're going to build this network over the next 10, 15, 20 years and be today who you want people to know you as in five years, 10 years and 15 years. I think that's huge too. And I think the thing that, that I resonate most with that is, and it, this goes back to valuing the people over the opportunity is that, more often than not, at the time you meet somebody is not the time or the place that you might need what that person brings to the table. And so staying flexible, but also staying true to who you are is so important because you never know when you meet somebody that you may not need their help or need them to be a part of your, your sphere for 10 years down the line. And I think people are very quick to shut other people out. Do you, I have these blinders on, here are the things I do, I sell, I'm interested in. If you don't fall in that category, you're, you don't provide value to my life. And so when you break the idea of what value they're providing and you, you center on the idea of what value they bring as a human being, you allow yourself to open up so many more opportunities where all of a sudden when someone comes and goes, Bobby, I'm coming, I'm new to town and I'm in the restaurant business. I can go, I've got a couple of people who work in the restaurant business. Is that important to me? No, but they're my friends. They're people that matter to me. And that's, that's the part of like, I think that idea of your future self um, is such an important piece because none of us know who we're going to be tomorrow, let alone, <laughs> let alone five or 10 years down the road. It's so true. And so many of the opportunities that I feel like we get along the way come from that network that we build today. You know, it's like, yeah. I, I can't name how many people on this show have talked about how it was literally like the best job of their life or their current job or the thing that's been the most instrumental for them came out of their network from someone that they didn't ever really anticipate or expect. And so it yeah. is, it's that cultivation of that um, that serendipitous type attitude of saying, hey, it may not be like you said today that I need this product or service, but there may be something down the path that um, is really your essential to me getting where I'm trying to go in the long game. Absolutely. Absolutely. It'd be a lot easier if we all we're moving this way in professional sports, but you're now seeing jerseys and things that have like advertisements across them. It'd be so easy if we all walked around and we had to wear a t-shirt with all the things we had to offer people, but we don't. <laughs> and a lot of times the people who are most influential and have the most amount of pull are very slow to open that curtain to what they do have and who they do know. And the only people that they let behind that curtain are people that they value as a human as a human being. And that's an important piece to really give to that part of who you are uh, and who they are so that, that you have that opportunity. But it's not, it's not easy enough to just like look someone up and down and go, oh, great, they offer me this, 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 and we can connect those. It just, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, you're right. I mean, it just, it doesn't. And I think, hey, you know, maybe we need to start something. We all start wearing every, everything that we offer, everything that we bring to the yeah. table on our, on our clothing. <laughs> I mean, oh my gosh, can you imagine? I'd get pretty self-conscious because mine might not cover my like belly button, you know, I'd have to really, <laughs> really do some, do some crunches before we started that one. Oh, please. No. Um, you know, so Bobby, I'm curious, are there any like books or podcasts that you listen to or anything that you um, just have found valuable that you think it would be worthwhile for us to check out? 
Oh my goodness. Um, that's a, that's a loaded question. I am a, um, growing up, my dad told me the best thing you can be in business is a sponge. I, and I take in massive amounts of probably useless information. Um, I, I think podcasts are great. We all spend a lot of time in our cars. Um, I had mentioned, um, I had mentioned Joe Rogan. Um, I also really like Rich Roll. Um, he's a guy who was a professional, um, uh, in the, I believe he was in the law industry for a long time and then became a endurance runner. Um, and, and like not, not a marathon, like a hundred mile, 200 mile races. I'm I, that if you haven't ever spent any time thinking about endurance athletes, I am not an endurance athlete. I am not built for speed. I am built for slow and, and steady. That's, that's me. But I'm obsessed with these little people that run really long distances or do things because I think it's so applicable to life in the way that we all suffer through things. And really the people who become successful are the ones who have learned not only to suffer well, but to enjoy that that it only sucks when it doesn't suck mentality. Um, and I think that when you look at guys like, like Rich troll Courtney Dewalter. Courtney Dewalter is super cool. If you guys are not familiar with her, she lives in Golden, Colorado. Um, and she is not just one of the best female endurance runners, but maybe the best endurance runner of any gender. She tried to run a couple weeks ago. She got sidelined, I think from bronchitis, but tried to run the Colorado trail 500 miles, just wow. run it to beat the fastest known time. I'm, I'm obsessed with those, those people. Um, I have a lot of great I have a lot of great books um, that I that I really like to. Um, I think one of my favorite books that's really practical that if anybody needs this is Rich Dad Poor Dad. It's a money book. Um, it's an incredible way to think about. You you can read it thinking about money, or you can read it thinking about resources and how you mentioned this. And this is what um, this is what the author of that book basically states is that when you invest your money well your money becomes these little soldiers that go out and work for you. They, your money goes and makes more money. You mentioned that earlier. It's the same thing with social capital. When you invest in people and you're selling something, they go out and they sell on your behalf. And so I think um, that's a, that's a big, big piece, but I'm, I'm one of those people that I'm very vehemently um, encouraging to people in read, read, consume, go get information because if you let the world tell you what you're supposed to know, you will be very, very much left in the left in the dust on what there is to know about the, about the world. Oh, that's great advice. And it is. It's so that's how we can, you know, expand our own perspectives of things is by really going out and understanding other people's perspectives and from their experiences. And it's huge. And so thank you for sharing. I wrote down Courtney's name because I got to go check her out, especially if she's local. Maybe I can get her on the show because I am Dude, sure that to run that kind of thing, you've got to have some things you can share about how you get through that. She's in, she's incredible. She tells, there's a lot of great, I mean, YouTube is such a such an incredible space to learn things and, and to do with that with people. And I think the other thing too, is like, don't get so confined inside of what you like to do or what you think fits your lifestyle. Like I don't run. I don't run. I don't at all. I like, I couldn't go out and run two miles today. If I, I mean, I could, I hate it, but I, I don't run, but I'm obsessed with these people, Cameron Haynes and, uh, Courtney Dewalter and David Goggins who go out and run these ridiculous things. Why? Because I'm interested in that piece of it. Don't, don't confine yourself to whatever your little sphere is. Read things and understand things and also read things that you don't believe in, you don't subscribe to because unless you understand the other side of what you're trying to do, you can't ever rectify your own, your own thought, your own opinion if you haven't given the other side at least enough time to understand why you believe what you believe. Absolutely. And in such a divided time in our nation, you know, it just is, it's, it's on one level when COVID, I was listening to some of the podcasts that we did right when COVID was starting. It was kind of funny. It was like, you know, there was such a sense of, of solidarity and coming together. It was like, we were all in this together for the first time, the entire world, at least in our lifetime was together in a situation. And yet it's been interesting how, at least in the United States, there's been a lot of division that has come over these last several months. And, um, 
and even in the midst of all of that, it's like, it's like what you were saying, just going and learning the other person's side, going and understanding where they're coming from and what you might not understand about what they have to say. All of that is so, so helpful in the whole process of being able to, I don't know, to find more commonalities between us yeah. and to see more about our similarities than our differences. Yeah, I, I, couldn't agree I couldn't agree more on on finding commonalities because I think more often than not we probably are more common with most people we have more in common with most people than we we ever could even understand or think to think to believe um I read an incredible article this morning um that that talked about just this kind of post-covid world and how business is changing but there was a there was a quote in the beginning of this article that I think relates to exactly what you said and the writer was talking about how in this time of slowing down and being quarantined and not working in the way that we all have, she used the illustration of pieces of her began to fall off that previously had been held on by the sheer velocity of life. Like she was moving so fast in life that things that hit her that were in her path stuck to her. And she talked about how this slowing down has been able to remove that. And so I think one of the big things that I took away from that, that hopefully people in general can is in this time where it feels divisive and slow, I believe that that division is caused because people want people to, people in power want other people to move fast so they can't think through things. You get stuck. Things get stuck to you. If you're moving fast, you're like a car who hits a bug. That bug is stuck to the front of your car. Whether you want that bug there or not, you're moving so fast that it's, it's there. And so I think, everyone needs to understand that we're at a really pivotal time in our lives and our world where we can begin to clean those bugs off the front of our car and really understand who, who are we and what do we stand for and what do we believe? Because when we get to that place, we can truly connect and understand people at a level where when we're all moving really fast, we're just collecting bugs and then looking at other cars and got that car's covered with bugs. Part of the reason we think that is we can't see our own, we can't see our own front fender because we're driving hundred miles an hour. So I think, I think that idea of allowing this time in this place, not to be divisive, but to be introspective, to allow us to slow down and quiet our minds and, and really do those things. I think that's a really big place and thing people need to focus on. Yeah, I think that's huge. And thank you for sharing that. You mentioned something kind of along those lines when you were talking about how often you move, you know, and you had said that, you know, you could, you didn't have to stick with that same friends group. You know, you didn't, you weren't stuck in just being the same you that you had been before. And, and I feel like that's one of the things that, that this time is allowing us is that opportunity, like you said, to be introspective and to sort of re-identify ourselves, reinvent ourselves and, and understanding like, what is it about myself I really love that's really benefiting me and benefiting the world around me? And what are those things that maybe don't fit me anymore? Maybe they're not benefiting or, or creating the results that I'm looking for in my life. And and that's what I thought, you know, when you were talking about moving, it's like how, how cool that we have this opportunity to sort of reposition ourselves in the world and say, you know, this is who I, maybe I used to be, but it's not serving me and it's not serving my community. And this is now who I can be. And this is the opportunity to reinvent and repurpose myself to show up in this new way. And that's sort of like what COVID is doing. I mean, it's sort of changed so many things that it's giving us that opportunity to show up in a new way and with new qualities and with new ideas. And it's, it's, you're so, you're so right. And I think so many people are in that place that I've seen friends of mine, people I work with. And I think it's such a, it's such a spectacular time because really we are a, a herd of people that if the, if the front of the herd moves, the rest of us just kind of realign with whatever anyone else is doing. So having a chance to, to think for ourselves and like you had said, reinvent is really big. I will say, I think that that it's funny that you say that because I, I have, been struggling with that on the exact opposite side. I'm someone, I think the most practical example is like, if I wasn't married, if I lived on my own, I would rearrange my room every three or four months. The bed would go on a different wall. The dresser would move. I have to have that like new thing, new, like my brain gets really um, uninterested when things become stale. And I'm fighting against learning to just allow things to be in this slowdown time it's one of those things of like I need to let a chair stay in a corner that it's been in for a while because it's okay that that chair is there like that's a stupid example but I'm I'm wrestling these things in my own brain of like I love it when things are changing when things are happening because I feel like I'm doing this so slow down I've really noticed myself of allowing it to just be like hey 
this thing is okay. Just let it, let it be. And I think we live in a world right now with this idea of like planned obsolescence. And if you don't know what that means, it's why your iPhone breaks every two years because they need you to buy another one. So if iPhones lasted for 10 years, no one would buy new iPhones. And I think we live in this world of this planned obsolescence and we live in this world of instant gratification where you can order something on Amazon and it shows up that afternoon. Um, to put yourself in a place where you can allow things to be and allow things to grow. Um, I've gotten really, really, you've been to my house. I'm, I'm a like diehard plant dad. I have like, I'm, I'm embarrassed to say how many, I'm not embarrassed. I love my houseplants. I have a boatload of houseplants. I've really learned to slow myself down because you don't see growth unless you stick with something long enough to give it time and space to space to grow. So I think that's a, I really am glad you said that because I think I get really excited when other people are reinventing themselves, but I have to temper that excitement because I can't constantly reinvent myself every 24 hours because I just have to be this new thing and do this new thing all the time. So yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a great thing for us all to think about like where we fall on that spectrum. Absolutely. And I, I can completely sympathize with where you're coming from. Sometimes I, during this COVID thing, I feel like I'm just on this hamster wheel, like this perpetual hamster wheel. I'm like, come on. Like I'm used to seeing progress. I'm used to seeing, yeah. you know, movement and momentum and, and I'm used to planning and then reaching these milestones or these, or these markers and, and benchmarks. And, and right now it's like, things are just weird. It's hard to plan. It's hard to do all of that. And, and really kind of just finding, like you said, that contentment in the midst of where you are, and then using it as an opportunity to, to introspectively be able to make the adjustments that you want to make, but also realizing that sometimes it is the, the staying put that is really the, the challenge and the opportunity for growth. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think content, contentment and reinvention fall on, on opposite sides of that sort of seesaw and, and being able to strat, not just straddle in the middle, but move from side to side because there are times where we need to reinvent and change. COVID's a great example of that. None of us are doing business the way that we are doing this. If I asked you, if I told you a year ago, Sarah, we're going to be doing a podcast, paint me the picture. You would have said, we're probably sitting at a table. We have microphones, whatever the, the setup is. It wouldn't be on a zoom call with my beauty ring set up in my basement. Like that's not, that's not how we would have done this. And so I think that reinvention is really good but also don't fix it if it ain't, if it ain't broke. So. Absolutely. I could have saved myself a ton of money if I would have just known I was going to just do these things from zoom. Hey, I didn't need all that I, equipment. Season, season two of uh, six degrees from nobody's coming back. I might be buying that equipment from you. So we, okay, can, okay. we can work on that later. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. That's awesome. But yeah, Bobby, it's been such a pleasure just talking to you and just getting to hear a little bit more about your story and the way that you see life. I think you've shed a ton of light on just, um, you know, how social capital can be built in such a natural way, and yet the long-term impact of that. You know, you said something about how watching your plants grow, you realize that it just takes time. Nothing happens overnight. And I think in, in the essence of social capital, that's one of the biggest things is just realizing that doing things today every day, making those daily kind of um, actions towards it, but it takes time. And it's something that you may not actually see the rewards or the harvest or the benefit of it until it's been a while. And then you look back and you realize how instrumental it's been through the course of these days, weeks, months, and years. I, I think that's so important. And the thing I think I have learned from that, and I would encourage so many people in is be kind in that time, because I, one of my favorite plants, I have a monstera plant and it's got these, it's the, it's the big leaves that have all the fingers that kind of come off of it. And it has such a weird, ugly little new leaf bud that comes out. It's this weird finger and it's all rolled up and it takes two weeks for that to open up. And during the time you would look at that and go, that's not very attractive to look at. But when that thing opens up, you are just blown away by this big, incredible leaf. And so I think in all of us, as we're unraveling, as we're turning into something new, be kind to people. That's a struggle. It takes work. It takes time. And we don't always do things that, that end up being who we are. And we say things, I would never do that. We end up doing it. And so just be kind to people in that because we're all, we're all growing. We're all unraveling to some, some degree. So I think that's, I think that's awesome. Sarah, I, I love talking to you. Let's, I'm happy to be on the show anytime. I'd, I'd sit and sit and talk to you anytime there is. So thanks so much for having me. 
Oh my gosh. And thank you for that analogy. You know, I think that's a beautiful analogy and something we kind of pass by. We don't always think about just that, that gentleness in the process and just appreciating the journey um, and realizing that ultimately we're going to be something beautiful. Ultimately, something beautiful is coming from everything that's happening, but it's just being, being willing to allow it and give it the time it needs and, and that kindness and that appreciation for what, what the process looks like. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Uh, Bobby, it has been so much fun having you. I always love learning more about you and what your story has been and how you've gotten here. Uh, before we wrap up, is there any like kind of final thought or final words that you don't want to leave without saying? Oh gosh, I feel like we said I feel like we said uh, so much. Sarah, thank you for doing this. I think that I I want to be a proponent and a champion of people who want to uplift other people. And I think you're doing an incredible job, not only on what people see with this social capital expert podcast or show or whatever this is, um, but also just with who you are in your life, the way you bring people together, you value people. So um, thank you for letting me be a part of that. Um, I think this is an incredible platform and I'm just, I'm glad to have a little, little small taste of, of what you've got going on. So thank you. Well, the honor and the privilege is all mine, and I can't wait to see season two of your show and what else, you know, just comes of what you have going on. I know that there's a lot in the future and in store for you, and I look forward to continuing our friendship and our relationship yeah. and seeing where that all goes. Some, something's coming. Follow Six Degrees from Nobody on Instagram. There's no post because I don't know where it's going, but when I do, you'll know. <laughs> so thanks, Sarah. Sometimes that's the journey, you know? I don't know it where is. this is all going either, but I got to tell you, it's a whole lot of fun just getting there. So I'm not it's sure where somewhere. we're headed, but we're going somewhere and, and yeah. the uh, the information is is valuable. So thank Absolutely. you again, Bobby. And I just so hope to uh, have you on, on the show again here soon. Anytime. You let me know. Thanks, Sarah. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Right, bye. That's all for this episode of Social Capital Expert. Please visit socialcapitalexpert.com for show notes, additional episodes, and to see who will be visiting us next on the show. Also, be sure to check out our upcoming Social Capital Mixers. These are events where we can connect in person to build social capital. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to having you join us for the next episode.